Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode of This is the Author, meet clinical professor of psychiatry Daniel Siegel, journalist Sam Anderson, and journalist and on-air political analyst Anand Girdidas. From becoming more in tune with your mind and body, to exploring the history and dynamics of an American city, to examining the global elites, you'll go on a journey from the individual to the many with these authors. Plus, laugh along as you hear how one author actually pronounces the word buffet. Enjoy. Hi, this is Dan Siegel, and I'm the author of Aware, the Science and Practice of Presence. I was inspired to write the book Aware because a practice that I had developed initially for people I was seeing in psychotherapy was then being used in workshops I was teaching for professionals and then in workshops for the public. And I did this practice called the Wheel of Awareness for 10,000 people, and the results were quite startling. The discovery about what consciousness might actually be that emerged from discussions with scientists and blended with the experience of the people in the 10,000-person study were so exciting that putting it into a book would make it available to others to not only learn how to do the wheel, but to learn this exciting new possibility for what consciousness is all about. Moving would be the word I would use to describe what it was like to work here at the studio with Jessica in putting together the audiobook for AWARE. The exploration in AWARE takes you on a journey, even if you're the one who's written the book, deep into profound issues about love and reality and consciousness and life and death and laughter and joy and awe. And the experience of doing it was very moving. So that's the word I would choose. In doing the audiobook for Aware, there were two words that were quite challenging to actually say and very easy to type. I tried not to type these regularly, regularly, that's one of the words, regularly, but I did. And that was hard to say. And the other word must be so difficult because I'm having a hard time remembering it right now. I don't remember the other one, but that's the problem. The next book I'll read, I'll probably forget that I shouldn't have typed that one. But actually, when I write books, I try to remember which words are so hard to say, and I avoid them. I'm excited about the moment we have in this audiobook which bridges science on the one hand and spirituality on the other. The audiobook lets you have a feeling directly in connecting myself as the author of the book to the listener. And it was this beautiful opportunity for me, very rewarding, to imagine the listener actually taking in this reflective practice then see its connection to a deep understanding of what consciousness is and what the mind is, and then explore how science and spirituality can link with the subjective experience of the practice, we now know how the mind can actually change the enzymes in your body that repair the ends of your chromosomes. The mind can actually reduce inflammation. 
the mind has been proven to actually improve your immune system's functioning, to improve your cardiovascular functioning, even to be able to change the structure of your brain. And all of that is not only described in the book, but it teaches you how to do it. And so I'm thrilled with being able to put out the audiobook that's so practical and based in science, but extends itself into all these realms of our lives. My dream narrator would have been a dear friend named John O'Donohue. Now, he passed away 10 years ago, so of course that's not possible, but I would have loved, not only in his Irish brogue, but I would have loved to have heard the way he emphasized certain parts of a sentence or certain issues. And, you know, I would have loved to have had a conversation with him about the contents of the book. So if he had been here narrating the book, I would have loved to have been on the other side of the recording booth and had the crack with him, as they say in Ireland, that is, have a lot of fun and laughter and joy. I think John's voice would have been really fun to hear. I do listen to audiobooks. You know, there are so many I could mention. I like funny books. Steve Martin's book about stand-up. There's a, a number of comedians who've written books that I love. So if you listed them out, you'd probably see them all. That I've, I've read them. I like to laugh, and I think that's a great way of taking comedians' book and laughing with them. Hi, this is Sam Anderson. I wrote my book because I was standing one day in the office of the editor-in-chief of the New York Times Magazine, where I work, and he said, we got to get some big story for you to write about. And I said, sure. And he said, you're a basketball fan. What about this team in Oklahoma City? They seem interesting. And I said, they seem very interesting. He said, go on out there and see what you find. And it started as casually as that. I flew out there, and on the plane, I started reading a history of Oklahoma, and I could not believe what I was reading. I hadn't heard these stories about the land run and the weather and where it came from and all kinds of stuff. And the subject just took off for me in a way that no magazine project has ever done and that I've kind of been waiting for years for something to give me that feeling. And then it exploded into this gigantic book. I found it actually really strangely absorbing to be sitting in a booth with all this text in front of me. And after a couple minutes, you get in the zone and the whole world just kind of disappears and you live in this stream of words. And it was actually really fun and satisfying. I hit the name of an old-timey literary figure that I'd never spoken aloud before or heard spoken aloud before. And I said it wrong and we had to look it up. And now I can say confidently it is Materlink. Materlink. I really love the Land Run material. I think it's really weird. It is actual history, but it reads almost like mythology. I think it's so deeply American, and that part was fun to read, and I'm excited for people to hear it. I was just thinking about this. Ted Danson. I love Ted Danson. Ever since I watched him as a kid in Cheers... He's aged into like this white-haired, wonderful American sprite, and he's just got the coolest voice. He's funny. He's smart. I want Ted Danson to read all my books from now on. Oh, yeah, I listen to audiobooks. 
I love audiobooks, and I recently listened to a great one, which was Matilda. And I listened to it because I like Roald Dahl, but also Kate Winslet read it, and she was incredible. I cannot imagine a better reader. She did like 55 different voices. She inhabited each one completely. It was really masterful. Hi, my name is Anand Gerdardas. The title is Winners Take All, The Elite Charade of Changing the World. I have just spent the third of three days recording this audiobook, so please forgive me in advance if any of this is incoherent. This book had an improbable origin story. It grew out of a speech, which is a strange seed for a book. I gave a speech at the Aspen Institute, where I am a fellow, and unlike most speeches in congenial philanthropically-minded resorts, I decided to drop a little bit of a surprise bomb. And I challenged the people in the room, many of whom were my friends, to think whether they were actually the do-gooders that they claimed to be, that the Aspen Institute was framing us as and telling us we should be and were. The speech originally was only intended to be delivered in the room to 400 or so people and to raise this question of whether it was enough for the winners of our age to be challenged to do more good and to kind of avoid questions about our role in sustaining the harm of extreme inequality and various other forms of injustice. But a funny thing happened, which is that David Brooks happened to be there because he was giving a talk the next day, and he happened to enjoy the talk, and he happened to have a column that he needed to write the next day, which was a Thursday, because he has columns, I think, on Tuesdays and Fridays. Columnists is always, you know, desperate for a topic the day before their columns do. And so he asked if he could write about my talk, and he wrote about it. And I quickly learned that when David Brooks writes about something, it goes viral very quickly. People wanted to actually then see my underlying speech, so I posted it online. People kind of took to it and argued with it and fought over it, but it caused a lot of conversation. And that kind of led to me deciding to write a book and turn what had been an argument in a speech back into a set of questions that I could explore over a couple of years. If I had to summarize my experience of recording the audiobook in one word, it would be small beige booth. This audiobook was obviously easier because of the superior team. Brent and Kevin are clearly two of the leaders of their generation, so it's easier when you're working with the greats. It's the kind of thing that gets easier with time, I think, even though a lot of time has passed since the last time I did this. You know, the whole art of it that people may not know if they haven't been put through this particular form of torture is that you sit in a booth and then every page you get like three or four things wrong and then you have to like go back a little bit and then read from four words or five words and maybe a whole sentence prior to your error. And when you haven't done it, you often don't know how far back to go. So then the people opposite, you know, facing you in this double-walled bulletproof glass that makes you really feel like you may be in prison have to tell you where to go and that takes time. Once you've done it, I just kind of knew usually where to go, which saves a lot of time, and we had a good rhythm, and we also had fabulous lunches. This book is somewhere in the order of about 90-something thousand words, and I would say of the 90,000 words, one of the most surprising discoveries was that about 200 words or 100 words, I don't know, something like that, I just had no idea how to say. Now, this is perplexing because I wrote them. I wrote those words. However... Writing is with your fingers, obviously, and just because you write something doesn't mean you know how to say it. And I didn't realize that necessarily until I came in to record the audiobook. And so then I had the humiliating 
see, I just said humiliating wrong. I had the humiliating, humiliating experience of having to be corrected. So a couple examples. I have a tendency to say buffet, like Phoebe Buffet from Friends, but it's apparently pronounced buffet. Now, when a man learns something like this, he has to look back on his whole life. What are all the moments where I got this wrong? What were the consequences? What are the sliding doors that, I, you know, you understand. What else did I get wrong, guys? Oh, it should be luring, but I said luring. I just kind of put a Y in there. I mean, America is under strong Russian influence right now, and I kind of gave that word a little bit of a Russian sound. Then the most important thing is all the proper names and people's names that, you know, you check the spelling off when you're writing, but much like my own, frankly, no one has any idea how to say it. So it will be no surprise to anybody from Poland that the Polish names were some of the hardest. But look, my name's Anand Gerdardas, so I am in no position to say anything further on this issue. What am I proud of in my performance? I'd prefer to let history be the judge. Gosh, if not me, who could read this? I mean, it would obviously have to be someone both, you know, brilliant and super easygoing. You know, the only person that would be better than me at reading my own book would be someone who knows how to pronounce the word buffet or buffet or whatever it is. I do. I listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts, which is, of course, the gateway drug to audiobooks. And I do listen to audiobooks. I should say I have been listening to the same one for a long time because I decided to listen to Bob Caro's Lyndon Johnson series. And I started the first one, and it is so long. I would listen to it when I was showering or you know, driving somewhere. I'm now in the middle of this problem where it's so long, and my phone lost track of actually where I was. And it's taken me weeks to even locate the position that I was. And the further time goes on, my memory isn't good about what I've already heard. So I'm just right now in this total morass where I'm trying to figure out where I am in that audiobook. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening.